and Dennis, welcome again. Uh, you've been wanting to talk about women in herbal medicine mm. because there have been some pretty good ones who have done quite a lot of good things. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. For a little while. Mm. But, of course, we love talking to listeners about their <laughs> topics too. So We, we can't just... get there, Jane. We can't get there. <laughs> but we may yet today. Okay. So... Who will yeah. be heading well, look, the bill? A couple of weeks ago, we looked at two English ladies. I'll review them again today. But today, I want to talk about two famous Australian women, Dorothy Hall and Robin Kirby, wonderful women that did so much for herbal medicine in the last couple of decades. Uh, before we talk about our famous women in herbal medicine, and Pam has rung in from Cessnock. Pam, you've got a question about hemp oil, which seems to be um, the subject of popularity Very at much the so. moment. Very much so, Jane. Hello, Pam. Hi. Hello, Pam. Yes, hi. How are you? I'm very well indeed. How can we help you? Well, I'm on hemp oil. Mm. Um... I was on cannabis oil. Mm. Um, before that, I was on um, many, many opiates, mm. which I managed to um, get off myself. Mm. And um, the insurance company was paying for the cannabis oil. Mm. And That was scripted by your doctor, was it, uh, Pam? Yeah. Okay, yes. good, good, yes. good, good. Yes. Okay. And um, that um, I was finding I was taking two mils three times a day and um, I wasn't getting as much relief as what I thought I should be. So I tried hemp oil and I'm now taking one mil twice a day of hemp oil and um, I've been on workers comp for 30 years and I am now I can virtually say pain, pain free mm -hmm. um, but the doctors will not say that it is a pain reliever. Mm -hmm. So therefore the insurance company will not pay for it. Mm -hmm. um, they keep saying, oh, you know, we're listening to legislation and, yes, yes. you know, we're, you know, listening to what the doctors have to say and mm -hmm. everything. Mm -hmm. um, one doctor said that I was taking it to get high. And that um, I had urine tests done, which showed that um, there was no um, CBD in it. And so, therefore, I was not taking it to get high and that it was, it is relieving my pain. But yet, the pain doctors will not agree to the fact that hemp oil is helping people with chronic pain. Yeah, look, I think the, the basic problem or the basic problem with this, Pam, is that there's a lot of information circulating about uh, hemp oil and some of it I think is a bit over the top. 
Um, so I can understand why um, there's a degree of scepticism about seeing it being uh, used or promoted as an al almost an alternative um, pain-relieving medication to some of the more well-known and common ones. If I was your situation, in your situation, I'd be guided by your medical professionals in this area. Uh, be very, very cautious because uh, there are hemp oils and hemp oils. Anything you take that purports to be this must be scripted by your GP and must be made according to the standard for this preparation. Um, that's about all I'm prepared to say because uh, to make too many claims for it, I might fall into the trap of uh, overkill because a lot of people, in my opinion, are making claims for it, rightly or wrongly, which from my understanding of the herb, but I know a lot about the herb, is pretty difficult to sustain. Talk to your, to your doctor, but anything you take, let me warn you again, make sure it is made to pharmaceutical standards and is scripted by your GP. And thank you for your call, Pam. And um, mm. it's an interesting topic. Look, it is interesting, and mm. most listeners would know that I'm not opposed to a sensible medical use of cannabis. Um, it is remarkably um, written up in older editions of the British Pharmacopoeia, the British Pharmaceutical Codex. Um, it's written up in many of the references that I uh, teach from. Um, it has been used in the past for multiple um, conditions. Um, I would like to see it being accessed medical, medically because I genuinely be, believe it has a lot to contribute uh, to uh, multiple conditions. But, of course... The, the room for abuse and, and overkill is there. So this is why I was suggesting to Pam that if even if she's getting benefits, she wants to make sure, A, that it is uh, genuine hemp oil, that B, it's been scripted by her GP and C, manufactured according to pharmaceutical standards. Sounds very sensible mm, indeed, mm, Dennis. Mm. Louise has rung in from Raymond Terrace. Now, Louise, uh, you might have been listening last week when we were talking a lot about green-lipped mussels and you've got a question about them, yes? Yes, I was listening last week and I went to buy some and um, there's just so many different ones. There's green-lipped ones with turmeric, there's different strength ones. I just mm. know which ones to buy. Okay, look... Green lip muscle is green lip muscle. Um, it right. is it is obviously uh, sometimes blended with other equally good therapeutic substances, but um, I've always promoted just straight green lip muscle, and there are multiple brands of that. All that you have to be um, cautious of is when you purchase a product, make sure that it is made to a good standard uh, and secondly that the dose is correct if you are concerned about dosage talk to your retailer or pharmacist but uh, frequently um, the best best uh, selection if you like is is not necessarily based on the, the highest cost um, you, you don't you don't always get um, the best product by paying a high price talk talk to your retailer We've got some good health food store retailers and pharmacists. If I were you at this stage, uh, my preference would be just to, to take straight green lip muscle in the standardised dose, which should be written on the label of the preparation you're using. 
some of them, when I went to the health food shop, they had um, 500s and... 850 and double strength so I just didn't really understand all that. Well what you've I haven't got the the dosage material in front of me here I'm happy to give it to you if you were to ring my rooms but um, there would be a recommended dose for the New Zealand green lip muscle and that would have a bearing on what you purchase because if you have a preparation that purports to be uh, stronger than the straight out extract of it um, that could be uh, a better buy in as much that whilst you're paying a little bit more for it, you're getting a more concentrated preparation. Right, okay, um, radio. But th- that's, look, it's, uh, as you know, it's a food, and uh, I, I always, with these products, like to use them as, as simply as I possibly can. Um, go to your pharmacist, I suggest. Get him to look at his computer. I haven't got one in front of me here. So look, what is the recommended standard dose? for just normal right, yeah. green lip muscle, be governed by that. That would be my opinion. Okay, thank you. All right, thanks, and Louise. Good, enjoy, good, good. Louise. And Cole has rung in from Hamilton North. Cole, your daughter has hives. Now, that must be annoying, though. Um, she's had it for a while. It's um, uh, been, oh, you could say, chronic. She has it um, all over her torso and legs. She's seen many GPs, and uh, they have said that they really can't help her. Um, and I just wondered if um, Dennis could give me any um, any guidance under what relief, any herbs that might might help her out or anything like that. How old is your daughter, Cole? Uh, she's in her mid thirties. Oh, okay, okay. Well, look, there are a couple of things that um, might be of use to you, and I say might be of use to you because mm. uh, having treated urticaria, which is the technical name. For uh, for hives for many years I found yeah. what works for some doesn't work for others fine, but fine. One, one of the preparations that um, is worthwhile uh, looking at or considering mm. is, is what is referred to as a homeopathic preparation of urtica urtica is the botanical name for stinging nettle urtica. Urtica. urticaria yeah. is named after yeah. the effect that stinging nettle has if you come in contact with it Now, in homeopathy, there's what's called a law of cure, which says like cures like. So something which can provoke, if you like, symptoms, say, of a hive, can, in a very, very dilute and attenuated form, frequently have the effect of levelling out that condition on the basis of like cures like. Now, uh, Urtica, Urtica. U-R-T-I-C-A, in, yep. in what I would recommend as the 6C potency. Now, Six. I don't want to make this too esoteric, but homeopathic medicine um, has a, a dilution structure, um, yes. and that's, that's called potentizing. Now, okay. a lot of the cynics out there will, will laugh their head off at this, but I've seen too many evidences of homeopathy working uh, yes. to, to... I have no problem in promoting its sensible use. A 6C preparation of urtica in my opinion, would be worthwhile. It is not a dangerous substance, certainly not in that potency. It is, at this stage, not strictly uh, a crude herb. The herb has been processed and diluted to the point where there's only a very, very microscopic level of of, of the actual herb in it. But I've seen some remarkable uh, reverses in uh, skin allergies per se done with Urtica in the 6X potency. Now, Dennis, yeah. uh, is that taken um, taken orally. by mouth or um, taken orally? It would t- be taken orally. orally. 
Yes. Okay. Now, and the thing with with homeopathic medicines uh, is that they they are best uh, dissolved in the mouth. Now, I know that sounds yeah. rather strange, but these if you get it in a solid form, it would come as a little pillule, as the homeopathic yeah. jargon is, yeah. and uh, that allowed to dissolve in the mouth is the ideal way right. in homeopathic yeah. um, treatment philosophies of harnessing the benefit of the herb. I, yeah, I think right. that would be worthwhile um, working it, working with you. Secondarily, one of the most yeah. popular uh, products in, in Asia for yeah. dealing with these sorts of um, allergies is what's called minor bupleurum compound. Minor, 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 minor. bupleurum yeah. compound. M, just abbreviated MBC. MBC. Now, yep. that preparation is very popularly used. Uh, okay. In Australia, it comes under various brand names. Allergies yep. is one brand name, Allergies. And yeah. I, I have remarkable results yeah. using that preparation. There are two yeah. options to try. Uh, very, very good. But yep. uh, I'd be surprised if she didn't get some results. Start with the homeopathic prep first. If she yep. doesn't do any good, get her to look for the Manabupleurum compound under one name of allergies. Very good. Thank you mm. very much. Mm. She's a little bit at wit's end with what to do. Oh, and she's been to many, many GPs, and yeah. they have said to her... Um, She's even been to specialists, and they have said, oh, we can't help you. Yeah, so, that's, you know. that, that's surprising, but try yeah. that. Try yeah, that. Let's if, hope there are some yeah, good results. Yeah, there. let's hope you get yeah. a good result. Yeah, okay. So thank you for your call, Cole. Dennis, we're um, thinking about... Um, we're thinking about women in herbal medicine. There are a couple oh, of British are, women you are. mentioned, and then you want to talk about some Australians. If we get a chance. A couple of weeks ago, we spoke about... Uh, the work in Britain in the just around the time of the Second World War of Mrs. Maud Grieve and Mrs. C.F. Lyle, who set up Culpeper House in the middle of London and as a result uh, influenced a lot of politicians because of their uh, connections, if you like, with the British political class and their work in setting up Culpeper House, their work with Mrs. Maud Greaves writing that classic work, The Modern Herbal, led to a herbal medicine uh, being acknowledged in the British Parliament by the uh, uh, writing up or the passing of what was called the, the Medicines Act. And uh, that um, gave medical herbalists the right in the UK to practice under common law uninhibited. Uh, and that had a big effect here in Australia of getting, giving credibility uh, to the practice of herbal medicine in this common law country under the Crown. Uh, so that work in Britain was very formative and most uh, people or most herbalists would know something about the work of Mrs Maud Grieve in the writing up of her book, The Modern Herbal, which I think I said a couple of weeks ago is still one of the greatest uh, comprehensive texts uh, written in readable uh, language for people coming to herbal medicine perhaps for the first time. But in Australia we've had some equally uh, brilliant women and I said weeks ago, and I need to emphasise it, herbal medicine has been uh, amazingly, well, I shouldn't say amazingly, but herbal medicine has been uh, the, the bearer of uh, the names of many great women. Disproportionately, women uh, have taken to natural medicine. And I said weeks ago, I genuinely believe that this has something to do with the uniqueness 
of, of being a female. I know that sounds very sexist and all that, but that doesn't worry me. But in Australia, the work of two women, one of them in particular, Dorothy Hall, uh, had a, an outstanding effect um, particularly in the 70s and there onwards. There was a remarkable woman who um, uh, set up a teaching institution in Balmain and uh, she taught many, many hundreds of medical herbalists her system of herbal medicine. Her system of herbal medicine uh, differed from mine and I uh, uh, frequently referred to Dorothy's system as being uh, based on what I call drop doses. And that's okay. We used to have a little bit of banter about the way Dorothy would present her herbs and the strength and the dosage that she would give. But she influenced the practice of herbal medicine by being one of the first to set up a teaching institution that was recognised by the appropriate associations and uh, provided for many women again, uh, particularly to set up practice in the inner city part of Sydney where I was in those days. So it was an interesting situation. Dorothy was teaching and practising in Balmain and I was teaching in, in Glebe. We both had two entirely different systems of herbal medicine and it was not uncommon for students to do one program and then jump over to the other. We had our ups and downs, uh, Dorothy and I did, uh, but I had the pleasure uh, late in Dorothy's career to actually go down to her home in Robertson with my dear wife just after her husband, uh, Roy Hand, had passed away. He was a great man and supported Dorothy remarkably. And we went down to her amazing place at Robertson, her garden, and spent some time with her, spent the night, went out to have dinner with her, and we got to know each other very well. Dorothy was not only an exponent of uh, a unique system of herbal medicine based on low dosages, but she was also an exponent of what we refer to these days as Dr. Edward Bach remedies. Uh, she was much stronger in her uh, promoting what we call the Bach remedies than, than I was or have ever been. But Edward Bach uh, was another one of these remarkable uh, English people, uh, again, a medical practitioner. Isn't it surprising how so much of natural medicine has been due to the work of medical practitioners who have gone their own way, so to speak, and dissented from the mainstream orthodoxy and have developed systems of healing based on herbs which are popularly and still being used today. Edward Bach was uh, an interesting personality. He, he died in about 1936. He went away from mainstream medicine after having qualified uh, after having qualified and after having becoming a pathologist. He moved away and in the countryside developed uh, 38 remedies which he claimed uh, embraced, if you like, 38 uh, symptoms, uh, mental symptoms that people suffer from. And so the bark remedies are very much based upon the ability of one or more of these 38 remedies, usually based on the flowers of herbs, to address certain conditions characterised by various states of mind. For instance, uh, if a person presents with anxiety, Bach would see this particular flower remedy being appropriate for that particular person. So the 38 remedies, the flower remedies as they're called, the Bach remedies, the remedies of Dr Bach, made their way 
even into mainstream herbal medicine in as much that uh, people that practice, if you like, a more physical uh, phytochemical system of, of herbalism still would append to some of their treatments the use of one or more of the bark remedies. Dorothy was excellent in her uh, teaching uh, a very, very sound course in the Dr. Edward Bark remedies. But interestingly, uh, she would also... And by the way, I might just mention this, one of the most famous remedies that Dr. Bark developed was what was what is still called today the rescue remedy. So in his system, there were 38 remedies based on the flowers of 38 herbs, but there was one combination remedy called the rescue remedy. And that remedy... Uh, has to be uh, used to be believed. This was a remedy that uh, my kids frequently accessed. My wife was a great believer, still is a great believer, in the Dr. Edward Bark Rescue Remedy. It is a remedy that is used uh, to treat people that have had, say, an accident, who are traumatised, who are anxious, who have gone through a shock, uh, who have had something that has really set them back an emergency situation, the rescue remedy, and I've seen it work, in, is a remarkable remedy for just quieting that person down, drawing them back from anxiety, uh, sometimes hysteria, let, settling them down until medical treatment or the ambulance arrives. It takes the trauma, particularly with kids' conditions, very, very good for kids that have nocturnal traumas, that uh, uh, wake up crying at night, or who have dramas that sometimes can't be addressed in any other way, the rescue remedy, uh, certainly with my kids, was remarkable in addressing that sort of scenario. And I recommend that to listeners out there uh, to go to your pharmacy or your health food store, get hold of the rescue remedy and read something of the way in which it can be utilised very successfully, very safely in helping people cope with uh, an acute episode of anxiety, stress, or trauma. Sounds as though mm. all mothers Dorothy was would good be at that. really mm. Uh, mm. keen on that. Cathy mm. uh, has rung in from Blackalls Park. No, she hasn't. She's gone. We seem to be having slight problem with the uh, with the phones at the moment. But let's see who we've got here. Hel- hello, hello. Oh, hello. Hello. Oh, Look, it's um, it's Dennis Stewart. Your your name is. Oh, Kathy! I oh, Kathy from Blackalls Park. Yes. Yes, we did have you, but then we lost you, and now we've got you again. So, your question for Dennis is about macular degeneration. Yes. Yes. Okay. Hello, Kathy. Hello. How are you, Dennis? I'm oh, very well indeed. You have this condition, and you would be under an ophthalmologist. Um, it's not me. It's my husband. Okay, and he's, um, he's being managed by an ophthalmologist. Yes, he is. Okay. And is, what sort of therapy is your husband having? Well, all he's doing is telling him to take um, Blackmore's... Macuvision. Yes. Okay. Look, that's good advice. Um, Macuvision is based on uh, what you might call natural substances that are shown to have a supportive effect on the macula a broad spectrum combination and it's been well proven and uh, is very useful in some levels of the condition I uh, prescribe it myself I recommend it, I have no trouble in saying it's a very very good product as most of Blackmore's and Australian companies products are, however I also 
um, uh, have been influenced by the writings of Pizzorno and Murray, two great American naturopathic writers. I've used their their um, textbook, if you like, the Encyclopedia of Natural Medicine to practice from and lecture from for probably 30 years. And the two herbs in that text that are recommended by the two Americans are the herbs bilberry yes. and ginkgo biloba. Right. Now, now that's what I wanted yeah, to ask yeah, you. Yes. Um, I listened to you a couple mm-hmm. of weeks ago and yes. you were talking to a lady about it. Yes. Um, I've just been up to the health um, shop yes. and she, she's added the bilberry one, but she's getting some in for me. Um, with the ginkgo, yes. um, John had had a stroke a year ago okay. and he's on a blood thinner and okay. now one blood pressure tablet. Okay. And that, he wasn't yeah. sure if we should yeah. have that. In, in the case of your husband... Um, Ginkgo might be a compromising uh, substance. Yes. Not always. As, let me emphasise there's a fair amount of debate about whether um, this is so with ginkgo, but I lectured on this a couple of weeks ago when I did a course for my students or promoted a course, presented a course on drug interactions, and I said, err on the side of caution. Um, ginkgo is, is a remarkable remedy. I gave the first lectures on it in Australia, but there is this uh, there is this possibility that with uh, some uh, blood thinning medication so to speak it could interact whereas the bilberry as far as i'm aware is a very safe agent and uh, i have prescribed it frequently on its own and have uh, testimonials uh, from medically trained people to talk about the change for of benefit that has happened with people that have been using it uh, and, and um, have been monitored by, by them, their ophthalmologists. So I've no yeah. trouble with bilberry. Bilberry, macuvision, good combo. Oh, would I use the two together, would I? Yes, because both of them have different uh, constituents in them, as far as I'm aware, um, and put the bilberry together with what is in that preparation. And as far as I'm aware, you've got probably the best that there is in the marketplace. Oh, fantastic. Mm. Excellent. And thanks for your call, Kathy. Glad we got through to you, or you got through to us. This is Health Naturally on 2NURFM. Patricia, you've rung in from Cessnock, and your question's about gout. Yes, that's right, Jane. Hello, Patricia. Hi, Dennis. Is it it for you, uh, Patricia? No, no, no. I'm uh, ringing on behalf of my... um, my daughter. Okay. My daughter okay. is in her early 40s. Yes, yes. And in recent months has developed severe gout yes. in, in her foot. Yes, yes. Um, it's not necessarily mm-hmm. in a, a joint, it's in yeah. her entire foot. Oh, dear, it dear. It becomes very, extremely painful and very, very swollen. Mm. She has kidney problems. So yes. she's unable to take some of the standard gout medication. Okay, okay, okay. And the doctor gave her steroids, but they caused her to have um, massive skin problems, skin mm, outbreak. Dear, of, dear, 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 um, dear. So we have a big problem with this girl, and I just um, told her that I would ring you sure. and ask your advice. I know I listen to you most weeks, mm-hmm. um, and... In recent weeks, you've talked about meadow sweet, but I didn't yeah. specifically hear what yep. that was good for. Okay. And she's um, she's at a wit's end. She really doesn't know where to turn from here. Okay. So um, any help mm. would be really appreciated. Where does your daughter live? Here in near me. Oh, okay. Look, 
anything that she were to, uh, to take should be run past her medical managers because with her condition um, you've got to be cautious um, and I'd be happy to talk to your daughter or yourself of course about that caution but there are a couple of herbs which generally speaking are very safe and both of them um, I have used before confidently for this uh, they would be taken as complementary medicine to whatever is being prescribed uh, to your daughter but a thing such as stinging nettle and cel- oh, okay. celery, celery seed extract and stinging nettle. Believe, okay. it or, believe it or not, in a liquid extract form, uh, are frequently very useful in quietly addressing this, uh, this build-up of, of uric acid. Um, and, and there is, in fact, a, an encapsulated product in the marketplace called Gout Fighter which okay. contains those substances. Um, they're the ones that I would off-the-cuff recommend, not yep. knowing too much about um, your daughter's condition. The normal medications, such as colchicine and a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory, uh, would probably be contraindicated in this condition. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and unfortunately, if the steroid is not working, she's really in a tough position. She it, certainly is. If she were to take the herbs, the thing that she'd have to realise is that they may or may not help. There's no guarantee. Um, and she would have to persevere with them uh, for a while in order mm. to be able to get some benefit from them. But mm. uh, there's a starting base. Um, um, if she'd like to see me in Cessnock, I'd be happy to see her together with you. But pass those on to her. And um, they could be made up for her in Cessnock, as you know. Excellent. So all the very best with that, Mel. And uh, just before we go to... uh, Oh, I think I've... I'm not sure who I've got now. It's Mel. But before we go to Mel, who's rung in from CM, um, Peter rang in from Port Stephens, and he's not on the line now, but he is asking about ginkgo and bilberry and whether that's okay with macular degeneration, Dennis. Okay. With um, ginkgo, as I said to a previous listener, um, there are some reservations about prescribing it if a person is using uh, blood-thinning medication, so to speak. With with, uh, bilberry, bilberry is very, very safe and I'm not aware of it having uh, any contraindications uh, for being prescribed or taken by people who are on conventional blood thinning medication. I believe both of them, both of them are useful for macular degeneration, but with both those remedies, if, they're, if, you are, if the person is being managed by an ophthalmologist, as usual, I always say, run it past your medical manager. I can't recollect any um, person in the past having, be, having received negative comments about those two substances, even if they're taken in conjunction with a mainstream medical approach. Thanks, Dennis. Mm-hmm. And uh, Mel from CM. Now, you've got a comment or a question about rescue remedy. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. Um, my husband was in a, um accident on Tuesday morning. A uh, lady took him out on his motorbike oh, and he has smashed his um, tibia plateau. Mm. And um, he does get anxiety before he had this, uh, before he was in this situation. Yes. And I was wondering if the rescue remedy would help him, or if there's something else that would help him with the anxiety levels. 
Well, look, it's it's difficult to say off the cuff because anxiety uh, is anxiety, and obviously, as various levels of activity, serious anxiety should always be uh, medically managed. But the rescue remedy is harmless. I have seen it work uh, mainly for acute. Uh, situations when the, the, when something has happened almost immediately, um, it's very useful to administer then. That's how it's mainly used. Although there are many practitioners that use it ongoingly to help people cope with their anxiety ten- uh, tendency if and when it is triggered. I would think it would be useful. Uh, it is inexpensive. It is certainly harmless, and. Uh, it's worthwhile um, utilising, and again, if your husband is under uh, medical treatment, as far as I'm aware, it would have no possibility of clashing with any anti-anxiety medication he might be receiving from his good doctor. Okay, and another question that I have is, what is a good herb, herbal medication or a good um, something I could take over the counter from a herbalist? that um, would help with bone reju- rejuvenation. Bone rejuvenation, what, you've got osteoporosis, have you? No, 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 he hasn't got osteoporosis. Oh, you're talking about, about okay, bone, uh, help the, the healing of the bones? Yes. Yeah, okay, look, there's a remarkable substance, uh, a remarkable substance. You would have heard of the herb comfrey. Now, comfrey, comfrey, unfortunately, is not permitted to be used as oral medication. But what we do know about comfrey is that it contained a substance called allantoin, A-double-L-A-N-T-O-I-N, allantoin. Now, allantoin is the active principle of comfrey, and that's what got comfrey the name as knitbone. Comfrey was known as knitbone, and that that reputation for promoting uh, the knitting of bones, the strengthening of of, of, of bone healing, uh, was related to this remarkable principle. Fortunately, allantoin allantoin can be purchased as a powder and taken outside of comfrey quite safely, and it's a very, very low-dose substance. Uh, I have used it and recommended it. This is one of its classic indications, something to help. Healing of the bones, allantoin, originally found in comfrey, now available or has always been available as an isolate and used in the correct dosage is remarkable, in my opinion, for this condition. A great question. Mm. Thank Mm. you, Mm. Mel. And we probably just have a couple of minutes left to talk to Paul. Paul, you're after some alternatives to blood thinners, yes? Um, yes, thanks for taking the call, Dennis. Um, I have, as of yesterday, been placed on statins and blood thinners after having a uh, stent put in the heart earlier yes. this week. Um, not very keen on medications other than natural ones. I'm wondering if there's something alternative I could, I, you would recommend, plus... I've been on taking Ginkgo since I first saw you down in Gosford in the 1970s. Yes. You know, I'll need to stop that. Okay. Look, talk to your, to your GP or your specialist about that. The treatment that, you, that you're on now is a, is a very common and well-proven medical treatment uh, for your situation. You've had, a right. st- you've had a stent placed in, is that correct? Correct. Okay, look, um, the, your, a good specialist is safeguarding you by putting you on the statin, even though I have reservations about perhaps the over-prescribing of them, in this case, it is absolutely necessary because the statin will give you confidence that you're not building up lipids, that you're not building mm-hmm. up cholesterol, which might deposit it 
deposit itself on the blood vessel wall. You must be governed by that. And the use, of course, of the uh, blood thinner is to make sure that uh, there is no clotting activity around the placement of the stent. Very sensible medicine. You must abide by that. Talk to your doctor about the ginkgo uh, and what I've said about the debate as to whether or not it is wise to, uh, to use them in conjunction with a blood thinner. Um, there is debate, but be, go- be governed in your case be governed by what your good specialist says. It's critical that you do that, mate. And thanks for the mm. call. And that's the end of our uh, oh, program. Dear. We, only, we only mentioned today. one of those women. Uh, oh, dear, dear, Jane. There's always next week, Dennis, <laughs> and we look forward to it.